30 bottles of beer on the wall. 30 bottles of beer. You take one down, you pass it around. It's another episode of Beer 30, y'all. Hello and welcome to all the Dirty Thirties out there. It is episode 85 of Beer 30. I'm your host, Luke McDermott. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Drew Gale. Drew, episode 2 of Octo Beer 30. We got some crazy <laughs> shit coming your way. I don't know how you don't laugh at that every time. That, that gets me. It's uh, so funny. <laughs> I have to block it out. It's funny. Uh, yeah. Now, ooh, crack them. Yes. Yeah, a good crack in there. Oh, my dog. That just scared <laughs> Cowboy. He hit his head on the table. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, October 30, episode two. Got some real fucking crazy shit for you today. I'm sitting in my living room. It is dark in here well the sun's kind of coming through the window now it's just pissing me off but i got candles lit i'm ready to get fucking spooky up in this bitch it's cold and chilly outside which really gets you i don't know it gets me in that like yeah. halloween vibe where it's like okay i'm ready all right oh, and then kennedy's making like i don't know what it is like pumpkin bars oh, or yeah. some shit downstairs so, just, so it smells yeah. dank in here oh it's great Ooh, yeah shout out Hell to kennedy yeah. for that <laughs> all right shout out shout you should, out you, you should literally yell at her downstairs right now shout out you bro <laughs> she just walked out so <laughs> all right well all right yes go ahead and first get started. yeah what i i told you guys last week i'm gonna do i was thinking about doing an exorcism this week i ended up going with that exorcism and let me tell you i'm fucking bringing it today dude this is absolutely insane this I'm, it's still iowa based like last week was with the fan meter visitor oh um, lit and this exorcism was actually a major uh inspiration or like yeah like a major point of inspiration for the book the exorcist and eventually the movie the exorcist based on the book so if you've ever seen oh. that there's some stuff in here you might recognize we love to hear it. All I, right. I am very excited about this. Exorcisms are one of the things where I'm like, God, I just don't know. But then you hear about like really crazy ones, and it's like, it's hard. It's so hard not to believe sometimes. This one is kind of like your the Donaldson mystery last week. Like, there's nothing in yes. it really except for one like kind of thing that's like, there's no holes in this. Like, if that's it's old and it's all like eyewitness accounts, so it could be like exaggerated but still even in exaggeration this is crazy fuck yes let's get into it okay so the exorcism of anna eklund is one of the most uh famous exorcisms in american history anna eklund is actually a pseudonym for a woman named emma schmidt there's not a lot known about like her early life there's either she was born like in Europe, I think Germany, and her parents came uh, to the U.S. I, either way, she lived in Wisconsin when she was very, very young. Uh, she was born March 23rd, 1882. Uh, let's see here. Let me get through my notes. Uh, at the age of 14... Actually, all right, I I skipped something there. So, Anna was born to a man named Jacob, and I don't know uh, her mom's name. They were not very religious people at all, which was, like, kind of weird for the time. Uh, they actually, like, denounced the Catholic Church. But Anna, for some reason, was, like, a very devout Catholic. Like, insisted on going to church, like, two or three times a week. Like, did all that, even though her parents, like didn't want anything to do with the church at all she was very very devout catholic uh but at the age of 14 she started to show some early signs of being possessed uh she started hearing voices in her head and was like unable to enter a church like physically unable oh, to God. pass the threshold of a church she was uh exercised i guess uh at around that age when she was 14 uh there's not a whole lot on her first exorcism it sounds like it was just kind of like a 
I don't want to say regular exorcism, but like normal, easy sure, run of the mill. Yeah, just your regular old exorcism. My but, Wednesdays. <laughs> but on, let's see, June eighteenth, nineteen twelve, she started. Uh, she started a three-week exorcism. This went from June, I'm sorry, August eighteenth to December 23, but the to December 23rd, but the total number of days added up to three weeks of the days that she was being, like, exercised. Uh, so let's just get into it. She was hearing voices in her head, uh, again. So, this is all in Wisconsin, by the way, still. Uh, there's the first mistake. (laughs) In her head, uh, she goes to a, a man by the name of Father Theo, who was like, I'm pretty sure did her first exorcism and was like an expert on doing exorcisms, like thought like of it as his duty to perform exorcisms when they're needed. So he's done a lot and he knows what he's doing. Uh, true, I've found out a lot about like just exorcisms and like general, like going yeah. through this. Uh, true possession is very very rare so like when you go to a priest and like say you have like a demon haunting you or whatever they don't just believe you and like perform an exorcism on you like it's a lot of times it's like mental health stuff or whatever even back then they could like recognize like no this person's just like not right um in the head so father theo puts anna through many interviews and there are three distinct signs of someone being uh, exercise or like being possessed. possessed? Yeah, being possessed. Uh, it's a knowledge of language that you don't know, and oh, knowledge God. of hidden things, which is basically just like things you shouldn't know, or like there'd be no way of you knowing. And the other, and the third one is unusual strength. So during these <laughs> interviews, <laughs> Father Theo began praying in latin and it made anna just absolutely furious when uh he prayed in latin and then he would talk in latin and anna was totally fine like she knew what he was saying in any language cowboy god he brought his ball inside and he's fucking playing <laughs> you little shit <laughs> we're trying to get spooky um so she began yeah Furious when he was praying, but totally okay when he was just speaking in Latin. Father Theo tried this in Italian, Polish, Hebrew, and, yeah, like I said, Latin. And every time he prayed in those languages, it made her absolutely furious. And when he didn't, like, just spoke in those languages, she was totally fine. So, first thing, knowledge of language that you should have no knowledge of. And then, like, it's only when he was praying? Only when he was praying in those languages, she got furious and then she he would just have a conversation with her like just say regular shit in those languages and she was totally fine didn't that's weird uh so during one of these interviews anna is thrown across the room by some unknown force while father theo is praying and when she and she gets thrown across the room and is on the ground and she is impossible to pick up. She's a very small girl. Or like woman. She's like 46 at this point, I think. She's a very small woman. And it, not even three men can pick her up. Some oh, unseen God. force has tethered her to the ground. Or she's like become an immovable object. Oh, eventually. God. I mean, eventually she like is good. Like stands up or whatever. Um, and at this point, Father Theo... 100% is like, this girl is possessed, so we need to do an exorcism. And apparently, you need proper authority to do an exorcism, so I think you have to ask, like, the head of the Pope, your, your parish, or whatever, like, it, like, in your area, like, the head person needs to approve it, because apparently the demons will know that it wasn't authorized, and the exorcism will have no effect. Which is that's a weird so thing. Weird. What? Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. The demons are like, you have no jurisdiction here. 
So this is when they come to Erling, Iowa. There's another guy here. I think it's one to get her away from that town because like word gets out, then she's going to be like known for this. And so they move her to Iowa. And I think this is where she gets the pseudonym Anna Eklund instead of Emma Schmidt. So this is when the actual exorcism begins. Wait, she changed her name when she came to Iowa? To hide her, like, to hide her, they did to, like, hide her identity. So if word did get out, like, because no one's going to see her, but if they hear the name and then she, like, goes into town when this is all over, it'd be like, yeah, I'm Anna Eklund. Everybody's be like, oh, you're the possessed chick. And, like, it's going to be a whole thing. Um, Oh, great. The crazy girl's here. (laughs) Sick. Awesome. She basically becomes Britta at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So very early in exorcisms, uh. Demons stay hidden, and they start off with just, like, basic prayers and, like, readings of passages in the Bible, and not, like, all the way to, like, I command you to leave or whatever. It just that's why simple. the gays are looked down upon by God. Next <laughs> passage. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so, this is when the three weeks starts. I'm not sure. Like, I guess I found, like, two different things. I think... From what I knew or thought, it was just like three straight weeks, but Wikipedia says something different. Uh, But I never got like dates from any of the other uh, sources I had. Anyway, uh, very early into uh, this exorcism, Anna all of a sudden levitates out of the bed that they're exercising her in. Hell yeah. She flies across the room and hits the wall and sticks to the wall above the doorway like an insect. Like, she's not Yo, gripping it. What? She's oh. Not, like fucking oh, Spider-Man, dude. That. <laughs> that dude, I know. Oh, that, uh, that's the... That's when you know it's real. <laughs> I'm no expert, but I think that woman is possessed. <laughs> Oh, she's flying across the room and was looking in the Spider-Man pose with her head turned 180 degrees. That's ah, she's fine. Dead giveaway. <laughs> um, so he start Father Theo starts ramping up. Uh, the prayers was a little, you know, just ramping everything up a little bit, and eventually, while the priest is praying, Anna begins to scream. I like just bloody murder just scream and scream and bark and like howl and hiss and just do all like these crazy things but here's the thing about that her mouth never moves oh uh, well yeah i hate that a lot the I, it just keeps getting worse i don't know why oh. i thought it might get better I don't know why, but I was like oh yeah yeah you know it's an exorcism but it just <laughs> keeps getting worse it gets way worse uh so father theo like listening to it figures out that the voices are coming from inside of her body is this some men in black situation where like there's a little (laughs) alien in her head or some shit (laughs) can't remember what he says something about ryan's belt um (laughs) this is a not long after this during these prayers and this exorcism, she starts to vomit, spit, and defecate a biologically impossible amount. Like, not even for a person oh. her size, like a biologically impossible amount. I'm standing she, up to my knees and shit right now. <laughs> she And she begins to vomit things that she didn't even eat. Oh, well, I hate that. What, did like a whole rotisserie chicken pop out? <laughs> Like, like Full, a shark, not like even. A, yeah, just like, <laughs> a license plate in Anvil falls down. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. It's like, oh shit, is she possessed by Bugs Bunny? <laughs> um, it gets so bad that Father Theo has to change clothes three to four times a session, bro. God, that's this guy's just so... getting puked and shit on, and he's just. Just so much it, shit. Dude. 
Just fighting through it. I fight for my life out here. <laughs> figures out, uh, this is when he figures out that she's not possessed by one demon, which is like oh. a normal thing. She is possessed by a total of four demons. She's like the Moon Knight of Exorcism. <laughs> She's got multiple person, multiple personality possessions. She's got MPP. She's got so many demons in there, and they all just take over whenever they want. It's like uh, she's split. She's literally split, but with <laughs> oh, demons yeah, inside her. Yeah. Uh, so the very the main demon possessing her, which would become the main adversary for Father Theo to exercise, Beelzebub. Oh, yippee ki yay! <laughs> For those of you who know, that Beelzebub, Satan's second in command, uh, also known as the Lord of the Flies. So demons. Did she don't... start puking flies. Flies showed up in the room. Oh, when, I hate it. When he finally said his name, so demons like to stay hidden and like do not like to reveal their names because once they do, that gives the priest power of like that means the exorcism is working. And like, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, so it's Beelzebub and Father Theo asks Beelzebub why he is possessing this girl. And Beelzebub says, it wasn't even my idea. She, uh, a curse was put on her, uh, by her father and her father's lover, Mina, who was suspected of being a witch. Oh my god. Uh, what the fuck? So her like her father did not was like not religious like I said and she was and I guess story goes her father like scolded her for like made fun of her like you know just like, like a real God's ass- going to save you. Idiot. Like a real asshole like when people who aren't religious do that to people who are religious like all right dick like let's calm down. You don't gotta be an asshole about it. Just whatever. Um, and her father's lover, who was her was his sister. And nobody knows if it was his actual sister or it was his wife's like it was his sister in law. Oh. Let's hope sister in law, but who knows? So they put a curse on her. Uh and then the next demon reveals itself. This demon is Judas. Oh. And Judas, after betraying... Je- I didn't know this. Judas, after betraying Jesus, killed himself not long after. I also did not know that, surprisingly. Yeah, I had never heard that. Um, and Good he, on him. he says he's there because he wants Anna to do the same thing. He wants her to grab a rope... And hang herself. Ah. So, real Weird. real good intentions. <laughs> um, so, during this whole thing, which is common during exorcisms, is people's body contorting and changing in different ways. Here's yeah. some of the ways that her body was changing and all that. Uh she would get insane paleness. It even got to a point one time where Father Theo thought she was going to die. She was so pale. Um, swelling of different body parts. Her stomach would swell up like a balloon. Her lips would swell up. Like just have different body parts just swell to ridiculous like levels. Her eyes would bulge out of her head. Uh, she'd become. At one point, she became so heavy that she bent the iron bed frame that she was laying on, and then Jesus other di- Christ, and then other different like crazy contortions, like jaw dropping to like an insane like not like unhealthy way, like arms and legs contorting and doing all that. Can you hear cowboy? I can hear some squeakies with us. Yeah, no. stop. Um. Yeah, then yeah, just regular contortions and all that. And another um key thing to an exorcism that gives you like a real 
like like when you know it's real is that when the per- when the exorcism like they don't do it 24 hours they do it in like sessions throughout the day and when she goes to bed at night and she's like kind of back to a little bit of her normal self she doesn't remember anything that's happened all day oh my god she doesn't remember Beelzebub or Judas talking she or is anything the moon like night of exorcism <laughs> um and then the next demon reveals itself, and this demon is her father, Jacob. Makes like sense. you said, he was uh, he helped Mina curse her, um, and he says he did it because she refused, because Anna refused to have sex with him. Oh wow! Yeah, and he's That's saying, a, "Wow!" Yeah, he's saying all these things to the priest, like. She's my daughter. I can do what I want with her. I can possess her. Like, I should have been able to, like, fuck her and, like, all this really weird, messed up stuff. And this is the point where it's like, this this might just be a crazy story that somebody came up with because, like, multiple personality disorder, uh, like, is often caused by childhood, yeah. like, trauma, especially if it's, like, sexual assault like that. So there is that possibility. But there's more to come, and there's more things, like, there's things I've already said that, like, if that's real, there's no way that that's, like, no, she is possessed. Yeah. Um, And I also learned this about uh, exorcisms, is that demons, like, don't, can't just, like, possess anybody. They need an opening, basically. Yeah, they're like vampires. They gotta be invited in. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. That's not how that's that works. Fun. That's fun. <laughs> it might. I mean, <laughs> uh, so curses is definitely one. She's cursed. Uh, sexual abuse actually is one. It oh, is yikes. known as it's what's known as a psychic opening. Um, and then just general like witchcraft. If you like do witchcraft or like do anything with the occult or like that hmm. kind of stuff, that is an opening for a demon to possess you. Uh, so yay Jesus, go God! I'm uh, a, <laughs> I don't God. want this. Go God. <laughs> uh, and then finally the fourth, uh, demon, names itself, and it is Mina, who's known to be a witch. She's a witch. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do that every time. By the way. Uh, oh, I assumed. <laughs> Mina. Might have killed her own kids. There were some sources I saw that said that. And I just like, I don't know that for sure. But she was said to kill her own kids. And at this point, we're like two weeks into this three-week exorcism. And Anna is just getting weaker and weaker every day. She's vomiting and shitting, like, stuff that's not even in her body. But she's just so weak. They're having to inject liquid food into her stomach every day. Because she oh, can't like wow. eat. Um. So and it's also really weighing down on Father Theo. Like this dude is getting. He's shitting and puking. Yeah, like shitting and puking on like <laughs> shit and puke on him all day every day. He's praying for like hours and hours at a time. Like demons are talking to him and like saying fucked up shit and like figure it's definitely weighing down on this guy too. Like. Um. So at this point, like I said earlier, Beelzebub is like Father Theo's main adversary. He's like the biggest dick. But me, I did forgot to mention this with Mina. When Mina's around, she's like really fucking spiteful. Like she hated Anna, or obviously she cursed her, so she like hated Anna. And when Mina is like in charge or taking over, the the shit and the vomit is like way more when she's there she's just doing it in excess like, yeah, she's got a weird kink yes yeah, yeah uh so beelzebub uh during like when we get into the core of the ritual like he's talk like getting the demons to talk and then like it's gonna get to the point where he's going well right now he starts this is when he's like calling on god to help basically and then at the end, they exercise the demons, um, like commanded to leave. 
But at one point, Beelzebub starts saying everyone in the rooms sins. Like, saying Father Theo did this, that nun did that, this and that, whatever. And he's right. He, like, they had all done those things that he was saying. (laughs) And the create, this is something else I learned about exorcisms. Demons don't know about confessed sins. Any sins that they confessed, they like he had no knowledge of. And that's why like nuns and anyone who helps in an exorcism is told to go confess before an exorcism. Yo, note to self, don't go to an exorcism. <laughs> I'm gonna I yeah. Do you have twenty four hours in there, sir? I have like a <laughs> lot of it, yeah. <laughs> um can I just be like from my birth to now? I've done a lot of bad things, and I want to confess all of them. I don't know the specifics of them, but I'm confessing to everything. Does that work, sir? Is that a blanket? Like, just tell me, how many Hail Marys do I got to do now? Give me, like, a thousand. I don't care. Like, give me something crazy. I'll do it for the rest of the week. I don't care. (laughs) I have an exorcism, and I don't want the demon knowing that. (laughs) It it can't know. Um, And... I don't, it didn't say which demon, but one of the demons, probably Beelzebub, predicted that Father Theo would get into a car accident. And no. not short after, he's driving back from giving somebody their last rites, and he's going to Anna's to keep doing this exorcism. And he loses control of his car because Fuck. a small black cloud just in front of his windshield like his car only appeared and he couldn't see and almost drove his car off a bridge he survived okay but yeah. he oh, almost... once once you described the black cloud i was like okay so he had to survive because nobody else would know that shit yeah and when he got to anna's the demon just started laughing and was like did you like the trick that i played on you or whatever Yo. So what? Yeah, dude. I know. Um, and at this point, the demons like this is actually like a good thing, I guess. In exorcisms, like from what I have read and like done here, it's when they start talking, reveal their names, and like do all this stuff. It means that you're like gaining power over them and like can finally get them out. So at this point. Father Theo finally starts commanding the demons to leave. Like, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I command you to leave this girl. Just like, just holy water. Hitting them, yeah, hitting them with it. Yeah, just sprinkling her with holy water, doing all that shit. Um, he stays up for three nights in a row to wear these demons down. Like, just hours and hours on end, praying and commanding them to leave for three nights. Even for like a half hour period during this, Theo sees Satan standing in the corner wearing a crown and holding a sword with Beelzebub right next to the, right next to him and fire just all around him. What the fuck? That is metal as fuck. What the hell? At this point, Anna finally... Rises from her bed, like shoots up onto her feet, standing up, and then she falls back down limp, and she starts to say all four demons' names over and over. So she's Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, and it starts getting fainter and fainter and fainter until it's finally gone. She's not speaking anymore. I believe this is like her mouth is still not moving. I believe this whole time the voices are just coming from inside of her body. Her back mouth is moving. <laughs> Did somebody take off her pants? Was her vagina talking? Oh god. <laughs> that was gross to think about. That was a... <laughs> I am so sorry to everybody that I just said that. Ah. Uh until she finally stopped saying the demons names and all of a sudden a horrible smell of sulfur like clouded the room and it was that's basically the deep yeah the demon's like parting gift 
is they just rip a big fart and they go back to hell. <laughs> Fine, we'll leave. But here, <laughs> smell this. Oh, shit. Like Luke and I used to do that girl in pre-calc. It wasn't on purpose. First, you made that sound so much worse than it was. Our teacher, I have to explain this now. Our teacher at one point just kept putting Drew and I next to each other, but there was another girl that sat next to us all No, the we time. were we were not next to each other. We were just like we just kept sitting in front of this girl every seating oh. arrangement. You yeah, were in front, of her, I was in front of her. But we were close enough to where we could make eye contact about <laughs> what was going on. It was our this class was always after lunch. And I I'm sorry to you, lady, <laughs> who I will not name. But sometimes we had the farts. We sometimes the farts were bad. Every... They were silent. And Drew and I separately, we I like I came up to Drew, I was like, Man, I really wish you'd stop putting her behind me because sometimes I got a fart and I just feel bad for her. <laughs> and then Drew goes, Yeah, that shit's happened to me too. And it's just like that girl is living in hell during algebra two or whatever the fuck we were in. She's just getting bombarded with farts no matter what time of year. Just like, I felt so bad. At one point, we we're like, "Do you think she thinks that she smells?" Like <laughs> it's just following her. It so, couldn't be us. Oh shit! Okay, horrible smell of sulfur. But we're like uh, devils in that situation, is what we're saying. <laughs> And the demons are gone. And the exorcism is over. Three weeks have passed. Been through hell and back. And Anna like stands up and is like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All that good stuff. But here's... I'm done shitting so much. <laughs> here's the crazy thing. It doesn't exactly end there. Uh, of course not. She starts, soon after, starts hearing voices again. But God this time, but this time, it's what she claims to be the voices of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and maybe God. I can't so remember. So she got possessed on the other end. Yeah, she got. She flipped. Great. She flipped it. Reversed it. She misyelled it. <laughs> of uh, course, that's what you got to do in these situations, though. Yeah, and eventually starts talking in a voice who claimed to be Jesus. And told Father Theo of the Antichrist said to come 50 years before 2000 and will come uh, to power at the age of 33, the age that Jesus Christ died. And told him to start looking for, at the, they would be 12 at the time, if, if it's 28, yeah. I think it's, yeah, 1928. And starts to look. Are you talking about like Hitler here right now? Uh, no, because that'd be it's in 1950 and 33, so that's late. Oh, it's 1950. Okay, okay. Yeah, it says 50 years before 2000. And ah, tells Father Theo to start looking for like 12 year olds who are already like walking an evil path, basically. Fun times. And a century before this, in the early 1800s. A woman predicted the exact same thing after, I don't know, being possessed or like some sort of similar situation that the Antichrist was going to come 50 years before the year 2000 and that somebody, um, like, basically look out for him. He's going to thirty be 33 when he comes to power and he will bring on the end of the world and that's what it's going to be. But here's the thing. They were wrong because, but just about the year, because we all know Jesus, or I'm sorry, the Antichrist didn't come until what, like the late 80s, something like that. And his name was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I was wondering, I knew it was going to be U.S. president, but I was wondering which one it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, like, uh... that shit actually did, like, she said all that, and they began looking into, like, 12-year-old kids or whatever, and... Maybe they there found was some, him, like, killed him, and just didn't say anything. There was, like, some speculation on one of the things that I was listening to that was, like, who it was or, like, who they, like, started looking at or, like, other priests throughout the world started looking at, and I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm sure they did. 
It was, it was, it was secretly a kid that was going to become a priest. And it, <laughs> <took him> <laughs> and, it w- and he ended up being the Pope. Yep. Fun fact, everybody. The Pope is the Antichrist in <laughs> nineteen fifty. How crazy would that be? Um but yeah, that is the story of the exorcism of Anna Eklund. Oh, I love you love to hear it. So how many people were present like overall? Do you know how many people like were saw this shit? Uh, she was in oh man, where'd they move her to in Eklund or not Eklund uh Erling. Um let me find out what the name of the place was. Uh it was like a like a nunnery or whatever you call it. <laughs> I'm sorry, a nunnery? A nunnery where the nuns are. Is that <laughs> a monastery? Maybe. Uh a nunnery. I mean, I've never heard that word. <laughs> it's not. So. No, I know it's not. Okay. <laughs> um man, I can't find out what the place is called. But yeah, there were like nuns in the room and like I mean somebody had to clean up all that vomited shit. Sounds like, oh, fuck, I already forgot the priest's name. It sounds like his clothing was doing the job. Theo? <laughs> Just so good. It? Yeah, Father Theo. Okay. All uh, right. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Uh, Fran- Franciscan? Franciscan? Yeah, Franciscan Sisters in Erling. The convent. Their convent. There it is. Yeah. So there was yeah there were people around and most of where that story comes from comes from uh Father Theo's like personal records and like notes and stuff he was taking during the time. Oh, you love to hear it. That's sick as fuck. Dude, bone chilling stuff. All right. On to I guess rounds cuz I don't have any bounces this week. Okay, yeah, rounds. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Kazuzi, Kazuki Takahashi, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! I know we talked about him dying, R. but R. apparently he died trying to save people and actually saved a couple of people's lives during, like, high tide or something like that. Yeah, a mother and her daughter, right? Yep. Damn. And then uh, Robbie Coltrane, Hagrid, died. Yeah, I saw that today. Man, I bet he was, like, the nicest guy you've ever met in your life. Oh, I bet. He just looks like a super friendly guy. Mm-hmm. Like you want him to be your grandpa. Yeah. Or I want him to show me magical, mystical creatures. That do. All right. Those are my rounds, though. Uh, Yeah, I got a round, which you, we talked about beforehand. But my round is for Marvel for Werewolf by Night, dude. Werewolf by Night ruled. Such a good, like, new format, like, I don't know, like, style that they went for. And uh, you love to see it, because I, I guess I don't know much about, like, anybody in it, but I'm pretty sure Elsa Bloodstone's coming back, I'm pretty sure Man-Thing is coming back, and I'm pretty sure, like, the main Werewolf by Night guy is coming back as well. Is Man-Thing Ted? Yeah. Oh, nice, Ted rules. Yeah, Ted was awesome. Um, but I'm I'm super excited just to see more shit like that. I love like I know the Guardians of the Galaxy like Christmas special is coming out next year, maybe this year. I don't know, but like just those like short form like hour long movies. That's where it's at. Yeah, dude. And there was like and I like they did it a little bit with Multiverse of Madness, but they're breaking into horror a little bit. And, dude, there was some gory scenes in that. Like, when they're in that little hallway and the door's, like, slowly closing there, and, like, the blood hits the screen, like, there was some brutal murders in that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, and then apparently I read that uh, Marvel Zombies is going to be four episodes and it's going to be rated TVMA. And then we'll get uh, Daredevil in here soon and hopefully like Punisher and Deadpool 3 so I'm down for the horror I'm down for the rated R I'm down for the more gruesome side just because I yeah. haven't seen that and it's all just been like family friendly fun time with Marvel recent or not not recently but in the past yeah I'm with you I actually did just think of a bounce uh, now that we're talking about it but I guess anything else to say on that oh no Loved it. 
Yeah, was sick. Dope. Good for you, Marvel. Uh, my bounce. Miguel. Not going to get into it. Miguel, you're just wrong about She-Hulk. Deal with it. It's a good show. It was fun. Shut up. I did enjoy She-Hulk. I thought it, I I I thought the last episode like there apparently there's a literal comic strip where she rips out of the comic, goes to the writer and says, "Fuck you, change this." So oh, nice. I thought <laughs> I thought that was like super comic booky and I mean yeah. I, the whole show I appreciated was. it. Yeah. I appreciated like, it a lot. Yeah. Definitely could have used some better CGI though. Yeah. I mean, Scar looked terrible too terrible okay so now i'm going to hop into rendlesham forest and this is going to be a two-parter so the first part is all about the sightings and the viewing and then the second part's about the cover-up so the story starts in december of 1980 over the course of two nights a bunch of military men close to 60 saw intelligently controlled lights over the forest now rendlesham forest is a forest in between two military bases that were controlled by the United States in, I believe, England or, like, in Britain somewhere. I don't don't remember exactly where it was. I believe it's England. Um, Not in America. And then this, they're only, like, a a couple hundred yards apart from each other, which is also strange in my opinion. But between the two, the two, bases is a forest that's like super thick and all this stuff like that so like it'd be hard to see through it hard to like get through it fun things so um i guess some overview uh rendlesham forest is a highly top secret and was the founding place of radar long before it became military bases during the cold war so that's the time period we're in we're in the cold war during the cold war it was like I said, home to two military bases. They were only a couple hundred yards apart. Both of them were controlled by the United States. Most people did not want to be stationed at Rendlesham because it was creepy and depressing. Which makes <laughs> sense. Hell yeah. Military life. Uh, there was a strong belief that not only was it home to a lot of firepower like warthogs, um, because it was like on the like it was on a place where if people uh if Russia and their allies wanted to invade by ground, this would have been like one of the first places to like throw down, basically. So, um, not only was it believed to have a lot of firepower, it was also believed to possibly have nuclear warheads, which is like a pretty big thing when it comes to UFO sightings and stuff like that, because people think that like once the nuclear, the first nuclear bomb was dropped in World War Two slash before it when they were testing it um that's like the time that earth was put on the map for extraterrestrial um we became a threat that day yeah basically we entered a new echelon of technology that was like oh okay they're messing with things on a quantum level now we need to actually pay attention to them because that's like the first step of like becoming a a super advanced uh race in the universe right yeah i guess that's not yeah, not a, it could be we're a threat now, or they're like there's like a space like government or whatever. And they we would be like joined in and like whatever. Yep, that makes sense. Exactly, and um, so that's why people believe that UFOs like to show themselves around like nuclear warheads and power plants and energy places because like that is maybe a level of energy that they can siphon off, do stuff like that with it, basically. Um, So during the night in question, many people saw the incident, but only a couple men got up close to the first night, and then the second night we'll get into. So the two men that were caught up uh, that were said to have actually seen this craft and, like, get close enough to it are John Burroughs and and Jim Penniston. Now, Penniston, most of this stuff is coming from Penniston's book here that he wrote. And the thing is, everybody, like, a lot of the people that like to be skeptics are like, oh, people that talk about UFOs can make a lot of money off of it. But these guys were career Air Force men. And, like, during that time, if you talked about this stuff, you're just seen as a quack. Like, you lose, like, all of your honor in the military, you get discharged, shit like that happens. 
it's not as easy to make money. And neither of these guys were like fuck arounds. Like, yeah. Burroughs served for 27 years and Penniston was like in charge of security stuff at bases. So it's like anyone not low who's, level yeah. jobs. Anyone who says that does has never met a ufologist or anything like that. Yeah. Like, they are not rich people. <laughs> people think yeah. they are insane. Tom DeLong just came back to Blink-182 because, one, he found aliens, but, two, not making a whole lot of money doing that. Yeah. So, the night started off with a patrolman at one of the bases seeing some strange lights coming from the forest. Now, it looked like... The lights were like stacked on top of each other, so it almost looked like a paint plane like crashed there. Um, but they didn't hear any noises like of a crash or anything like that. And like the forest being super thick, you wouldn't they wouldn't expect to actually see lights like through it if it were just a plane crash because they didn't have like that bright of lights. So Penniston headed out after getting the report. Uh, and when he got to the gate, the man who called it in said it didn't look like the lights crashed. It looks like looked like they landed. So it was like a slow and controlled descent rather than a fast and like abrupt um, end. So uh, this is where like some people are like, oh, like, is it a plane crash? So they, they like radioed a bunch of like the airfields around. And they said some of the airfields, one of their two of the airfields was like, yeah, we had a bogey on our radar for about 15 minutes and then it just disappeared over the forest where this shit is happening. So uh, Penniston, Burrow, and a couple other lackeys that like drove Jeeps took them towards the lights. And then when they got close, their radio started to malfunction was a common thing when around you, uh, extraterrestrial technology is that like our technology starts acting haywire. So, the two lackeys stayed back at the Jeep to be able to actually, like, communicate with the base. And then Penniston and Burroughs went forward. Um, As they got closer to the center of the forest, they said it felt as if the air was filled with static electricity and the hairs on their arms were stood on end. Uh, Then it became difficult for them to walk, saying it felt like they were wading through deep water. Now, they were just, like, walking on the ground, but both of them said they had the sensation of, like, wading through water which is crazy yeah like that's weird like I just don't the air get, is like, heavier yep gravity is messing with them more Whoa. so that's when they saw a small light in the clearing um and then when they like were getting close they saw this light like it almost explode in like a flash of light but they didn't hear any noise and so but like instinctually they dropped to the ground because they thought an explosion was happening But when they didn't hear any debris or feel any debris falling, they're like, oh, okay, we're good to go. So this is about when the stories converge or uh, separate between the two people. They split up. So Penniston said he stood up and he saw a small triangular craft about nine feet tall, nine feet wide, standing on three legs. It had a dorsal fin and wings, but it was glowing with a globular light like a lava lamp would, basically. On the side of the craft was a bank of blue lights, and at the top of the craft was a bright white light. Uh, But that was a thing. It made no sound at all. So when he got closer to it, he described this area directly around it as a bubble field. And when he entered it, like all ambient noise was uh, ceased to exist. Like no wind, no bird, no creaking of the trees, nothing. Just silence. Whoa, that's terrifying when this happened he turned to call to burrows uh who's only about 10 feet away from him but burrows was not moving or reacting to him at all like he was just standing there basked in the light just not moving or reacting so then he's like oh shit i'm gonna die so if i'm gonna die i'm gonna because he assumed it was a weapon uh he pulled out his notebook and started to take notes because if he died he wanted to be have the weapon like documented as to what it would do right So once he got closer to the object, he saw symbols that were completely illegible. And the only thing they shared a resemblance to was like hieroglyphics, basically. Now I looked up some of these symbols and they're like, they're definitely just like geometric shapes, but they're put in a way that they look like they would um, have meaning to them. Like B language. Yeah. Yeah. Some way, shape or form. So... 
uh, he wrote them down and he drew them. And then once he saw the symbols, he realized and he felt a little uh, relieved because he like felt that it wasn't a bomb at that point. Because like, there's why would they put a bunch of symbols on a bomb and stuff? Um, after seeing the symbols, he decided to touch the craft, saying that the outside felt the outside felt hard, but the the uh, hard and smooth. But the symbols themselves felt like sandpaper. And once he touched the symbols, the light on the top of the craft became so strong that he was temporarily blinded until he removed his hand. Um, and then the lights calmed down after that. Uh, after that, he just stood there and began like documenting it as much as he could, just like taking as many notes as he could, drawing it, things like that. And then after this, the craft slowly began to lift off the ground and it felt like it was moving in slow motion, like time was sl- like moving through molasses. It took about two to three minutes till it cleared the tops of the trees, and then it took off at an incredible speed without making any noise. And a direct when note he, from his notebooks. Go ahead. When he's in that little bubble, like what's the other guy doing here? Can he like not see him, or like when he's yeah, in that we'll bubble? We'll get to what, what what the other guy's perspective. Okay, was. gotcha. So a direct note from his notebooks was speed, colon, impossible. <laughs> Meaning that he was just like, that's moving yeah. faster than anything I've ever seen move. Yeah, like it's just gone. So now, the crazy thing is that Burroughs saw something completely different. And while Penniston's, la- la- like his experience lasted for a couple minutes, Burroughs lasted for only a few seconds. So after the blinding light and hitting the ground, he say he, he says he never saw the craft and only a red oval sun-like object in the clearing. But that's what he actually stated later after the cover-up takes place. About 72 hours after the incident, he drew an image of the craft from memory and it looked very similar to what Penniston drew. So what we get from Burroughs just doesn't like He's he's lying to either cover up something or like he his late he recounts what he later saw. So, um, so like when he's in that like bubble or whatever you want to call it, he's moving. That's why I feel like to me that's why I feel like minutes to him is because time works differently in there, and he's looking oh, back. Yeah. And the guy's not looking at him or reacting or moving because it's like within milliseconds of time that he's yep. looking outside that's awesome that is but so regardless cool. of what they saw on the ground they both reported seeing the light rising and flying away in the same direction at the same speed like crazy speeds damn so once it left they saw three indents where the craft had landed now this is december where the ground is frozen so that whatever landed had to have been like super heavy to leave any indents uh branches around the clearing had also been snapped off as if the craft had hit them and broke them on its way in or out this part's what gets me when they got back to their lackeys their watches and themselves only said they'd been gone five maybe 10 minutes tops but the lackeys informed them that they'd been gone for 45 minutes both of their watches were running 45 minutes slow now not only is this like lost time for them it's a mechanical failure as well yeah that's what that's exactly what i was thinking it was like the watch stop like time lost is a normal thing with like ufo sightings and stuff like that but like usually your watch is still right yeah that's nuts wow yeah that's the part that got me because once you get like mechanical fuck-ups it's like what is happening then i was literally just watching an episode of the x-files the other night it was like (laughs) his watch was like off and he they'd lost like 15 minutes or something like that because they'd be like running with ufo that's awesome so a lot of skeptics uh are out there like oh a russian satellite fell and burned up or oh there's a meteor shower uh that night and stuff but um that doesn't explain like that explains like the lights falling into the forest that doesn't explain the indents the craft in the forest or the lights leaving 
So there's like skeptics that are like, oh, there's a meteor shower that night. Oh, a Russian satellite on record fell into the uh, atmosphere and burned up. So and like, how there's it would... no like evidence of those things. Like, there's nothing there other than yeah, broken branches. Not there specifically. Indents. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, two other people, I think from a different base, claimed to have gone to check on the lights in the forest, but when they got close, a white light engulfed their Jeep and stalled it out so they couldn't get any closer. Uh, Because of jurisdiction issues, uh, when this happened, they were required to reach out to British authorities, and they uh, called the local police, who said that there was evidence of something having landed there that night. On record, they have said that. Damn. So... Charles Holt, or Holt, I don't know how exactly his name is uh, said, uh, was a commanding officer in, I believe, like, it doesn't matter, one of the bases. He was a commanding officer there. And he came in the next day and was told about the incident. Damn, I got hiccups. Um, And he said, don't use the word UFO. Call them unexplained lights. And he was, like, just being, like, a skeptic, kind of covering things up from the start. But almost immediately, all the security reports and information about the incident was pulled and classified as secret. Yeah, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's nothing, but we're not going to tell anybody about it at all, ever. It's nothing, it's our secret, leave us alone. (laughs) I also looked up the symbols and I've just been like staring at them, listening to this story, this is crazy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Literally just looking at the symbols. Two nights later, the UFOs returned. Lieutenant Bruce England was sober and on duty, came inside and told Holt that the UFOs had returned. So now the, the important part here is here I'm going to s- mention a lot of people being sober. And that's because they were in the middle of like a party time. Like there was some, there was like December 27th or something like that. So they were partying at the base. Dude, a lot dude of Christmas party or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Holt assembled a team of fully sober men to go investigate. He tried to set up floodlights to point into the sky, but they were not working. Now, some say the reason they didn't work is because they're all out of gas. And some others say uh, that some of them were out of gas, but some of them were not and just straight up were not working like the radios the night before, uh, two nights before. Now, Holt was a meticulous man, and he always had a handheld recording device on him to take notes of his thoughts. Now... 18 minutes of these tapes are available to the public, but he recorded four to five hours of information that night. He refuses to talk about what's on those tapes and says the public will never hear what's on those tapes. Whoa. What's on the tapes, dude? Come on. Here's the thing. Bullshit. The 18 minutes that we get to hear are weird. Yeah. So it starts off normal, like, oh, they're just surveying the area, and then they, they pull out a Geiger counter, um, that gets like a spike of a radioactive signal, but not like a lot. And it was directly where the craft had landed the two nights before. Now, the Geiger counter they were using wasn't right for this situation. Apparently, there's multiple types, but the type that they had on hand was one that would be commonly held at a place that had nuclear warheads. So that feeds into the theory that this place actually was storing nuclear warheads and like. That's why something would visit here. Yeah. That's when the next portion of the recording, you hear Lieutenant England describing the trees in the landing sites and as they all had abrasions facing the center of the landing site. So you, like, I listened to the parts of this recording and you can hear them talking about, like, these are weird. Like, I've never seen this type of, like, abrasion this high or something like that. Then the men pulled out the night vision goggles and were finding hot spots on the ground. Like I said, in the middle of December, where the ground would have been frozen, so there should not be any hot spots anywhere on the ground. What and the then fuck? they also found hot spots in the trees. What? So, Dude, this around this time, when they have the night vision out, the barn animals and animals in the surrounding area started going crazy. Started freaking out, making a ton of noise, and then... They saw a light in the distance, and when they saw that light, the animals went silent. And they're talking about this light being about a quarter mile out. It's a small red light that's flashing in and out. Now, skeptics here in this area are like, oh, there's a lighthouse in that area that rotates uh, out of five, like, rotates five times, or once per five seconds. 
And that could have been the alight that they're talking about. But here's the thing that happens next. The light begins to move towards them, weaving through the trees. That ain't no fucking lighthouse. I was going to say, <laughs> I think people know what a fucking lighthouse looks like. Versus Especially military else. men, they'll be like, oh, there's a lighthouse here. Like, it's not just like, like, they'd have yeah. to be, uh, understand, they'd have to know, like, what their surroundings are constantly. Yeah, they'd be well fucking aware of yep. that lighthouse. So this light that they saw looked like a red eye with a black dart with a black center and then a red iris and it was like shooting sparks of light off of it. After they saw this, the light the red eye shot a light down into the ground just 10 feet in front of Hulk. And then it flew over to one of the bases and shot a light directly down into the top of the base. Which in my mind is just the aliens being like, fuck you, bitch, we can do what we want. A, a middle finger, like that's yep. their middle finger. <laughs> exactly. While all of this was happening, Burroughs was having a second encounter. So when the call came in, Burroughs went directly to the base, but Halt told his men to keep Burroughs away from the investigation. Eventually, he was given permission to approach one of the lights to see if he, confirm, if he could confirm it was the same craft. As he was in the Jeep on the way to the street, on the way to the light, a streak of blue transparent light came towards them, followed by a bright white light. He then got out to investigate the light and began to approach them. Burroughs then walked forward, and the person he was with said that he walked into the light, disappeared for several minutes before reappearing, again, had no recollection of what had happened, and had missing time. Uh, but yeah, that's most of the information about the sighting. And then next time I will get into the cover up, which gets crazy, and my mind makes it more believable. Fuck yeah, dude! That's already like it's just starting to get dark out. This candle's starting to get real creepy in here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was getting lost in that. That was awesome. Oh yeah, there's a lot of information there, but it's it's so, and I guess in my mind, it's very. Uh, very believable so far i also like love and then there the theory behind like why uh, peniston and burroughs saw something different is because like there's a there's a really interesting theory theory out there and um that basically says like humans brains are computers and certain operating systems can only understand like certain programs so like if you're seeing something that just doesn't click in your brain, that's why certain people see UFOs and certain people don't. It's like, oh, well, your brain huh. wasn't made to, like, run that. Yeah, like, understand. Oh, that's... Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I'm working yeah. with, like, Windows 99 over here, dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I will get into the cover-up next time because shit gets wild on what All right. the cover-up is, so... So next time we'll start off with Rendell's from Forest, the cover-up. And I haven't come up with anything yet. I don't have any teasers for next week, but it'll be good. I'm kind of liking this sticking away from serial killers stuff, but we might have to throw one in there eventually. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see which one we want to toss in. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been like I talked about last time I found this new YouTube channel and I've been talking about it. Uh, the Y files, but damn, do I have some crazy non beer, non October thirty stuff to talk about? Hell like yeah. the the Great Pyramids of Giza being power plants? Question mark. I've I've heard that. I think it's I've a great that, theory. I yeah. love it. Uh, but I just saw a new theory the other day. They're like, this is like a new uh, theory about how they built the pyramids. Like they formed like. They formed the molds for the stones. They didn't, like, carry them up the pyramids. And I was like, how has nobody thought of that? That makes way more fucking sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that they were smart enough to create molds and then create concrete. Like, that makes way more sense. There's nothing but sand around there. Like, they're obviously creating the blocks anyway. You don't think they can create molds? No shit, that's what they were doing, dude. That's crazy. Nobody ever thought of that. (laughs) I saw some theory that they used like levitation to move it. Now I don't remember. I don't Hell think I yeah. like, that makes read way the whole thing, sense. but it was like acoustic levitation when you like using sound waves to get things to like almost like Black Panther, blow. where it's like the tracks. 
Yeah, basically. It's not the same thing, but like you're using, huh? That's crazy. Yeah. But more fun stuff after October 30, which is always fun. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I got a U.S. history. I'm thinking oh, about Oh, me too. Love nice. to do it. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to give us a follow on Spotify. Give us a rating review there. Also, give us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Follow our Twitter at DirtyBeer30. Like and retweet everything we say. And <laughs> go listen to Six Pack Sports. Ooh, every Friday, Nick and I went through. We did an NBA preview this week uh, that we talked about. Upcoming week of football and a little bit of the MLB playoffs is pretty good. Bounces rounds, all that good stuff. Yeah, go get that a listen. Nick went 0-5-1 last week. So. <laughs> it's going that. well. Yeah, it's going. We changed it to Suicide Watch Sports. I don't know if you saw that, Luke. I did. <laughs> I want to also let it be known that I was not the person that person tweeting that sports were dumb. That wasn't me. I think they knew that. Which well, just had to I, make sure. I've been thinking about when I do tweet putting like Drew, like uh whatever. With like a like a dash Drew underneath, but we'll see. So you start doing that, I'm gonna start tweeting things with dash Drew under it. Yeah, or... that that was my other thing. I was <laughs> like, Well, they have access to the Twitter and it's just gonna be like they're gonna say some shit. It's gonna be... <laughs> Yeah. But uh yeah, all right, more fun October thirty stuff to come next week and wish you a beer. <laughs>